0: Just talking, just talking, just talking, just talking. Hello and welcome back to The Book Room. My name is John Deegan. I'm recording this on Sunday, February the 24th, which in Canada, where I am, marks the beginning of Freedom to Read Week. For the last 35 years now, we've asked Canadians to pause briefly on this midwinter week to consider and celebrate the fact that in principle, at least Canadians are free to read, write, and publish whatever they wish. Importantly, this does not guarantee a freedom from disagreement over the ideas in what we read, or disagreement over ideas one might express, either in one's writing or in less formal contexts like social media or the public square. In other words, say what you will, but if what you say offends someone else, don't expect the principle of free expression to shield you from the freely expressed disagreement and criticism of those offended. Asked by the good folks at Freedom to Read Week to contribute a congratulatory statement for FTR Week's 35th anniversary, I did some digging into the archives of the Writers' Union of Canada to see how far back in the Union's history its own preoccupation with the freedom to read extends. And since I've mentioned the Writers' Union of Canada, which is an organization for which I work, let me pause for a brief disclaimer. The book room is my room, and not actually a room within the Writers' Union. The views I express here in this room are my own and should absolutely not be construed as standing in for the official opinion of the Writers' Union of Canada. Now, unsurprisingly, the Union has been making public statements about state censorship and the banning and suppressing of books from its very earliest days. The Writers' Union was originally formed back in 1973 during a period of great fertility for both Canadian writing and Canadian owned publishing. It so happened that 1973 was also. The publication year for one of the last century's most famously banned books, The Gulag Archipelago by Russian author Alexander Solzhenitsyn. In The Gulag Archipelago, Solzhenitsyn continues his earlier documentation and criticism of state suppression practiced in the Soviet Union. This was a courageous activity that had previously seen him imprisoned and internally exiled within Russia for the last eight years of Joseph Stalin's life. The Gulag Archipelago, which is sharply critical of the Soviet state, was officially suppressed within the Soviet Union until the fall of that empire in 1989. Solzhenitsyn himself was exiled from the Soviet Union in 1974, after the work was translated and published widely in the West. He remained in exile for 20 years, eventually returning in 1994, and in 2009, after the death of its author the Gulag Archipelago became part of the curriculum in Russian secondary schools. The banning of the Gulag Archipelago and the exile of its author was world news in 1974, and Canada's fledgling Writers' Union registered its disapproval, both of Solzhenitsyn's suppression in the USSR and of a somewhat surprising call to have the book's English translation banned from some Canadian libraries. State suppression is not something that happens only outside our country. Canada also has a history of turning books back at our borders. For a couple of decades spanning the turn of this century, Little Sisters Book and Art Emporium in Vancouver fought the customs confiscation of books it had ordered for its bookstore. Canada Customs claimed the books it withheld at the border, all destined for display and sale at Little Sisters, qualified as obscenity under Canadian law. Little Sisters fought these confiscations all the way to the Supreme Court of Canada and won a partial victory there in the year 2000. But the confiscations continued, and a later legal challenge was discontinued for lack of funding. Book bans, of course, have a long history. I have a mug on the desk beside me, and it was created by the Unemployed Philosophers Guild and is for sale at Winnipeg's Museum of Human Rights. This mug lists a number of the more famous titles that have been challenged and banned for one reason or another. At a quick glance, I see 1984, Lady Chatterley's Lover, The Catcher in the Rye, The Satanic Verses, and Ulysses. In Canada, authors who have experienced book challenges and bans include our very own Nobel Prize winner Alice Munro, children and young adult author Deborah Ellis, and even Harry Potter author J.K. Rowling. Now, the sharp-eared listener will have noticed a small caveat in my opening statement about the freedom to read. While we do celebrate the fact that Canada accepts the principle of freedom to read, we are certainly not a country free from the practice of challenging books and attempting to ban or censor them. The call to remove or ban books from Canadian schools and libraries did not end with the Gulag Archipelago in 1974, and in fact, it continues to this day. The book and periodical council which is the industry organization that runs freedom to read week each year carries out an annual survey of libraries in canada and documents the many challenges and demands to have certain books removed from library collections religious disagreement and depictions of both sex and violence tend to top the list of reasons why folks demand the suppression and or removal of a book again let me stress There is a difference between criticizing a book because you may disagree with it in some way or another and calling for that same book to be banned or to somehow otherwise restrict someone else's right to read it if they wish. Saying, for instance, that you think Book B does a better job of discussing or addressing certain ideas than Book A is not the same thing as calling for Book A to be banned. And yet, Canada does continue to draw lines within its laws. Publication that's legally found to constitute hate speech or the counseling of discrimination and hatred is controlled in Canada, as is anything that constitutes child pornography. The boundaries of these laws may be occasionally challenged in the public conversation that's our court system, but those boundaries remain, and with good reason. So, the lines around and between free expression, the freedom to read, and censorship will be examined and discussed all this week in Canada. If you want to get in on the discussion, visit freedomtoread.ca, where you'll find listings of all sorts of events happening around the country. Various libraries in Canada, for instance, are offering free mugshots of patrons who dare to sign out a previously challenged or banned book. An event in Beaton, Ontario, called Banned Books and Beers, takes place in a local tavern and will feature a discussion of The Handmaid's Tale by Margaret Atwood. And a panel discussion at the Vancouver Public Library called Refuse or Refuse Can Lit in Ruins will examine the changing face of Canadian literature. Finally, a panel in Toronto at Glad Day Books will discuss the current climate for free expression in Canada. So get out there and read a challenged book. Get your mugshot taken, attend a panel, and have your say about banned books and your own freedom to read. As always, thank you for listening. The Book Room is an occasional series of short podcasts about the book business, its issues, and some of the characters who make it unendingly interesting. It's available individually and by subscription through SoundCloud and iTunes and on my own website at jkdegan.com. Thanks once again to Sandy Crawley for the music. We'll talk again soon. I'm just talking, just talking, just talking, just talking.